Chris, we got a pretty big weekend coming up. It's baseball opening day, and unfortunately, I don't care about it. I don't know if you care. I'm sure you care about it, but not as much as about what's going to go down in San Antonio, Texas this Saturday night, and then hopefully again on Monday night. It is the Final Four. The road ends here in Texas. No bigger stage out there. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danzial. And this is the State of the Nova Nation, which is now, by the way, available on Spotify. Adding to our many different mediums and channels to reach our Villanova-centric podcast. So you got Spotify, the music streaming service. You also have Google Play, Podomatic. Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Lots of options. And we hope that going into this weekend, we can give you what you need to know, some interesting storylines to watch out for, what you need to know for Kansas and the other teams on the other side of the bracket. It's going to be a good weekend. Sorry, baseball, but we're just not caring about you right now. Yeah, this is this is a pretty exciting time just to be a sports fan in general. You got baseball opening week. You got the NHL playoff push. And then you got the final four, obviously. But uh, it, it is it, I am focused on one thing and one thing only this weekend, and that is the Illinois basketball final four in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, in Texas. And if you remember the last time we were in Texas, or, or last time Villanova was in Texas, uh, they won the whole damn thing. Looking forward to this weekend. Hopefully we can do it again in the same state. Without a doubt, I have not slept since Sunday, since we got into the final four again. I've just been looking forward to making the trip down there. And honestly, I, Chris, I'm just so excited. I can't wait for it to happen. And this Saturday, we're going to be in the primetime slot, 8.49 p.m. tip-off against the Kansas Jayhawks. Doesn't get any better than that. Serving as the main event. Sorry, Loyola Chicago and Michigan. Sorry, Sister Jean and John Beeline. But I am looking forward to this game against the Jayhawks, against a blue blood. We know how we feel about them. We know how some people feel that Villanova isn't on that level yet. But maybe on Saturday night, the Wildcats will get a chance to prove their worth against them. It's been a fun ride. I can't believe that this is about to be the end of the road. The season at some points felt like it dragged on. And then at some points you blinked and then here you are going into the final weekend of the 2017-2018 season. This is our final Thursday episode of the season. Chris, I can't wait, but at the same time, I don't want it to end. I have I happen to agree with you there. I, I this team has been really something special to watch. And and the the run's not over. The run is not over. We still got this weekend and potentially Monday, next Monday. But yeah, this has been a fun season. And I agree, this this season more so than most has uh, kind of dragged on. I'm not exactly sure why. I think last year we were still kind of riding that wave of the championship and with the loss to Wisconsin, we were, we were like, Oh, we, we know the regular season really doesn't mean all that much. We just want to get to the postseason. We want to make some noise there. And we were just waiting and waiting, and waiting for the postseason to roll around. And now it's rolled around and they're doing a kick-ass job of it so far. So yes, fun season so far. I think this weekend we can, hopefully they, they'll be much more fun. So before we dive into the actual games, I just want to take care of a few other things just before going into San Antonio, before going into the Final Four, before going to the National Championship. Right after we got off the air on Tuesday morning, there was an announcement made 
the AP All-American teams were released. And surely enough, at the top of it all, was the East region's most outstanding player, Jalen Brunson, the junior guard from Villanova. He led all players in votes. First team, unanimous selection. He's there alongside DeAndre Ayton, Trey Young, Marvin Bagley, and Devontae Graham. These five guys are also finalists for the Wooden Award, which we'll find out next week as for who will take it home as a National Player of the Year. But then you also look at the other list, and you see his teammate there, Mikael Bridges, Wingspan, Condor, Pterodactyl, Mr. Fantastic himself, getting a spot on the third team, AP All-America team. He's there with Texas Tech's Keenan Evans, Purdue's Carson Edwards, UNC's Luke May, and Kyle Guy from Virginia. Chris, two Villanovans receiving All-American honors. What are your thoughts on that? And just looking at this list, we're the only school to have more than one representative on the AP All-America list. Well, looking at the list, there is one general positive that you can take away from this, other than having two players on, which just shows how great this team has been. But the fact that Jalen Brunson received the most votes, and I have to believe that's a good indicator that he's probably going to win the Warden Award. If he's if he's getting the most votes by the AP guys, I mean, he certainly should be winning the, the Warden Award, and hopefully that correlates. You look at Bridges on the third team, and you, you think that's that's a little low, I would say. I think Miles Bridges, like I, I saw a lot of the whole Bridges and Bridges comparison. Miles Bridges was second team. Like I, I thought Mikhail could have at least made second team. I'm not saying the third team is any slash. I mean, you just named those guys there, and those are all really great players. And we saw Evans against Tech for, for Texas Tech, and we had Carson Edwards there too. So it was basically like a like the, the East region in a nutshell with that third team, but yeah, I felt like Bridges could have made the second team. I, I think the first team was kind of reserved for the Wooden Award candidates or Wooden Award finalists, and I understand that. But but this, I thought Mikhail was worthy of cer- certainly worthy of the second team. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think in my ballot, just looking at the other guys, I would have personally put him in the second team. I thought he was good enough for second team. But, hey, I'm not going to complain too hard. We are the only program out there that has more than one all-American player and to just be on there you look at the the caliber he is you know this is basically the top 15 players out there and it's good to see him get recognized I would have loved to see him second team but at this point you're just arguing semantics and I thought he had a great season very big step up we've talked about it all throughout this podcast throughout the season he's really stepped it up and he's not just a defensive specialist he's contributing on all other areas of the game and to see his scoring catch up to his defense, it's been big time. Yeah, there are times where, you know, it's a little inconsistent. But now he's making big time threes. He's making some big time plays. We know he can throw down. We know he can protect the rim if needed, play some lockdown D. He can do it all. And it's good to see him get some recognition. And obviously Jalen Brunson, I mean, were you surprised? I wasn't surprised. It's good to see him get the most All-America votes. Definitely get recognized. He's in a firmly good position for the Wooden Award. Obviously, don't want to, you know, we don't want to assume anything. We don't want to jinx anything. But on the bright side, this weekend, we will get to see that battle between two first-team All-Americans, two first-team All-American point guards, and two Wooden Award candidates in Brunson going up against Kansas's Devontae Graham in the Final Four. 
how excited are you for this matchup? Brunson's had some good company. I mean, he's you know, he's faced off against some good point guards. We see Javon Carter. He was a second-team All-American pick from West Virginia. We saw Brunson outperform him. Yeah, but with regards to the NCAA tournament, I feel like every round, with the exception of the round, uh, first round, that we, we've said, oh, Jalen Brunson's going up against this top point guard, and what do you what do you expect from this type of matchup? I, I feel we had, what, Sexton against Brunson, we had Carter against Brunson, and then you had Keenan Evans against Brunson, and now you got Devontae Graham. So, yeah, every, every round he's seen some high-end talent, and he's obviously – won the battle each time. I mean, I know Javon Carter had a pretty good game, but I, I mean, Brunson did better in that game. At least that's what I thought. So yeah, hopefully he's able to get the best of Devontae Graham this time around. And this is a, uh, a rematch of sorts too. Uh, Jalen, Jalen Brunson uh, was a freshman in 2016. Devontae Graham was a sophomore in 2016. That was the last time Villanova and Kansas played in the NCAA tournament. And Villanova came out victorious, and while Brunson didn't play that big of a factor into that game, we didn't really get to see that matchup one-on-one. Looking forward to it this time around, and we hope that Brunson gets the better of it. So does that mean you're not giving love for Radford's point guard, Carlique Jones? Uh, No, sorry, dude. Uh, Appreciate the effort, (laughs) but no. I don't think he's in in the same class as... uh, Sexton and the like. I did also forget to make mention of Keenan Evans. He was another All-American pick. But yeah, you know, every round, I guess outside of Radford, it has been a premier point guard, Colin Sexton, Javon Carter, Keenan Evans. And next up on the menu is Devontae Graham. Jalen Brunson, as we've seen, is 3-0. 4-0 if you want to include Carly Jones. So far this season, both guys are looking very good numbers-wise. You have Jalen Brunson. He's averaging just over 19 points per game, 4.6 assists per game shooting over 50% on the floor and 41% from deep. Now, Devontae Graham doesn't really have the same sexy shooting numbers as Brunson. He's shooting below 40% on the floor, but from long range, he can drop just over 40%. He's averaging 17 points per game and dishing out 7.3 dimes per game. He means a lot to this Kansas Jayhawk team that has five different players averaging over double digits. This is... A slightly different team than what we saw in the Elite Eight two years ago. I feel like this team is a lot more offensive-oriented. They have a lot more firepower. A lot of different guys that can shoot threes or just score the ball very well. You have Yudoka Azbuki. He is a big boy, 7 feet tall, 280 pounds. Omari Spellman, good luck with that. I don't know how you deal with that big of a man, but... Hey, this is why we play the games to see how exciting, you know, who knows? Maybe Spellman can shut him down and then make him a non-factor. But I'm looking forward to this Devontae Graham-Jalen Brunson showdown. I know that there are a lot of Kansas fans that are very salty because they felt that Devontae Graham was robbed in the 2016 Elite Eight game. They said that there was I, – I knew he fouled out. I remembered him fouling out. But I didn't realize that there was a ref that was from Philadelphia, and apparently that was a very big conspiracy narrative over there in the beautiful state of Kansas. Yeah, that conspiracy narrative was uh, so big. I think it made its way to uh, Press Row where we were sitting at some point. I, I forgot who mentioned it, but someone did mention that that ref was from Philly. And then when he kind of slid into Josh Hart for like the final foul, well, his final foul of the game, uh, that started to gain some traction. And I know you're hyped for the Brunson Graham matchup, but. Me personally, I I want to see Spellman against Azubuki. I think that's going to be a hell of a matchup. I mean, 
we've said it in the past that when Spellman tends to play good big men, he seems to step up. His game seems to go one step above what he's usually capable of playing. Uh, we saw it with the two games against Angel Delgado this year and then against Kanate, at least in the second half with, with West Virginia. As a rookie against Duke, all he was doing was getting alley-oop after alley-oop. And this was over Marvin Bagley and Duke's tall team down there. That's awfully scary. I hope Spellman's able to neutralize that. It'll be interesting to see how that works on the offensive side for Villanova. If whereas Boogie's going to play on defense, if Spellman's going to force him outside, probably not. We'll see how Self handles that. But I want to see how Spellman responds to facing such a big dude. Literally, he should be playing football as a rookie. He's he's huge, humongous. But yeah, and with regards to Graham and that whole Kansas game in 2016, I mentioned the last episode. Like there there has to be some little revenge factor for him coming into this game. And I know he hasn't shot the best during the year. But he does dish out the ball pretty well, and he still puts up points. And part of me is pretty scared of that, having that chip on his shoulder and probably, probably wanting to come out guns blazing in this type of game. Maybe it forces him to do much, and that can help Villanova. But at the same time, if he's, if he's clicking like he was early in that uh, 2016 game, there, there might be uh, some issues. But obviously you have Graham with that. And Makai Luke, sharpshooter, 45 45- percent from beyond the arc and then Malik Newman who absolutely had the game of his life against Duke and has had a pretty damn good tournament so far he transferred from Mississippi State he was a high-end recruit coming out of high school and now he's finding a uh, home in Kansas yeah that's the thing with this team they have a couple of different guys that can really sling it from deep obviously Graham McCulloch he reminds me of a Sam Hauser on steroids and by that I mean just like Sam Hauser he's standing in at six foot eight he's a big boy he doesn't play like a forward. His game more orients to more of like a guard style play. So he's literally just going to spot up on the three-point line and just hack up threes. He had that really clutch three to tie things up and send the game into overtime against Duke. Before that happened, though, I honestly thought that he was going to blow the game for Kansas as he just kept throwing up bricks. But yeah, he reminds me of a better Sam Hauser. He's averaging over 14 a game. He can really sling it. He's really put it together this season. After not really being much of a, an impact player over the last few years, it's interesting. One thing that I find that was a little underrated was the way that he deed up Marvin Bagley against Duke. I thought I always thought that that was something that wasn't talked about enough. I mean, obviously, when you have Malik Newman raining threes in overtime and just taking over against the Blue Devils, that's obviously the story everyone wants to talk about. And total credit to Malik Newman because he really took over in that overtime period against the Blue Devils. But McCulloch, he did a pretty good job on Bagley, I felt, whenever he was matched up on him. But as for Azubuki, you're right. That is an intriguing matchup because you have Azubuki, who is your traditional slam-at-home type center. He's a big man. He's got three inches and probably at least 30, 40 pounds on Spellman. He's knocked down 77% of his takes on the floor. Absolutely terrible from the free throw line. He's gotten a little bit better, but it's... It's pretty bad. He's converted on 41.3%. Try But of course, now that we say this, he'll probably go a perfect 12 of... A near perfect 12 of 13 against Nova. Kind of like when Shaq played against the Sacramento Kings and just would not miss from the free throw line. Aside from them, LeGarrelle Vick, he's a guy that is not one of their primary options, but he can also score at a pretty decent rate. He's averaging... 12 points a game, shoots just under 38% from deep. He can score from almost anywhere, but I feel like his worth is just more of like a, another scoring option. As a Buki, there was that question of him coming to the tournament. Is he healthy? Is he not? 
with Kansas just advancing and advancing, and he's starting to get more playing time on the floor, it's looking like he's getting closer and closer to being full strength. Obviously, we saw that he missed the Big 12 tournament, didn't really play much against Penn, played a little bit against Seton Hall, but was not anywhere near being as good or as dominant. But as we saw this past weekend, he's starting to get closer to being in his true form. And big boy, he's going to make some big rim-rattling plays. He's going to make some big blocks. He's going to grab some boards. It's going to be all hands on deck. But I'd like to see how Spellman handles that because if Spellman can handle, if Spellman can take off from deep, that can easily negate the big size factor that Azubuki has. Or at least they'll cancel out each other. For sure. And then at that point, it really just comes down to who shoots better. Scary thing is, though, if Kansas was shooting like they did in the second half and in overtime against Duke, and then Villanova might be in for uh, some trouble. One thing I noticed about Malik Newman, though, with most of his threes, uh, especially late in the game, they all came from the near side corner. He took a lot of threes from the corners, but like he made, like, I'm pretty sure he made every single one that he took from the near side corner, and it had to have been at least four or five. So hopefully we don't have that issue again where someone, probably Devontae Graham, will be driving to the basket, then whoever is covering the guy in the corner sucks in. And then Devontae Graham will probably just dish it out to the guy in the corner, most likely Malik Newman, and then he'll hit the three. So hopefully we don't fall into that type of defensive trap again. Like that was so prominent early on, especially against uh, Butler in that in one of the first Big East games of the year. So I think that's uh, something to look out for as well. And Kansas doesn't seem all that deep outside of those five guys. I mean, you have Marcus Garrett, Mitch Lightfoot, and Silvio D'Souza, like mainly the three bench guys, but I don't think they really played at all against Duke. And like D'Souza's come in, every now and then is and is filled in for uh whenever Azubuki is usually in foul trouble or hurt and he's done okay but like their stat lines for the year aren't all that impressive yeah during Azubuki's absence they've been using D'Souza and Lightfoot by committee just filling up soaking up minutes in the front court I like the both of them I especially like D'Souza I I've seen him a few times in the AAU circuit playing for the Florida Vipers he always stood out to me as like an athletic guy definitely a little raw but a lot of people really liked his upside I just think with the, both of those guys, they're still pretty young, so they're definitely not as booky. And also, how do you simulate or emulate a seven-foot guy that comes in at 280 pounds? You just don't. I think this team's gonna. I think this game's really gonna come down to if Villanova can shut down Kansas, and I think that's gonna be more more important than anything. This is a Kansas team where I feel like usually Kansas, you think Kansas Jayhawks, it's all about defense or it's all about their front court play. And while they do have a pretty good guy in as a booky. You know, you, you had Perry Ellis for 45 years. You had <laughs> Joel Embiid. You had these premier guys. You had guys in the front court, but then you also had this, the supplemental guards like Wayne Selden Jr., my boy, Wayne's World. Yeah, this is a pretty different Kansas team, all about offense. They can really shoot the lights out if you let them. Lots of different ways to hurt a team. It's really going to come down to Villanova's defense, which we've seen has been getting better with time and has been playing very well overall as a unit throughout this tournament. And they're going to need another good, tough performance on Saturday night if they want that dub. Because there's a lot of ways that the Jayhawks can do it. And yes, when I saw that performance against Duke by Malik Newman, instantly I thought, I cannot wait for someone to drive inside, suck in on help side defense. Flips it out, Probably it'll probably be Devontae Graham driving inside. Kicks it out to Malik Newman, who has more than enough space to pop a three and sink it. And I really hope that Jay Wright saw how they just absolutely lit up Duke just from doing that. It was very – he was just camped in the corner all day long. And I really hope Jay Wright tells his guys to stay disciplined, stay at home, don't suck in too much, 
and just watch the corners. Watch Newman. Do not let yourself get torched in the same way Duke did. I will have to give props to Kansas, though. In my bracket, I saw them losing to Seton Hall way back when in the round of 32. And if not Seton Hall, they would have definitely lost in the Sweet 16 in my other bracket because I didn't think that they would be able to manage without Azubuki. But now that as we see him get healthier, get back into the swing of things, and this Kansas team has been surprising some people. A lot of people counted them out as the one seed. They didn't feel like they'd be that good or that they'd be able to go that deep. They've been, I shouldn't say a pleasant surprise because they are a one seed and they are Kansas, but they've been performing a lot better than most people had given them credit for going into this tournament. Oh, for sure. They, they definitely have been clicking. And I think a lot, a lot of that doubt stemmed from their performances early in the year. They've had some not so great losses on their schedule. They lost to Washington, lost to a then ranked Arizona State, but as we all know, Arizona State flamed out. They lost to Texas Tech at home, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State twice. Baylor, so they they've had their share of losses, and like and some of those losses, especially against uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor, those were like utter beatdowns. Like they didn't even stand a chance. So I I understood why a lot of people were skeptical of of them at first, but then after winning the Big Twelve tournament with a pretty much hurt Azubuki in and out of the lineup, it, it I think that kind of that at least convinced me. I, I had them in my Final Four, yay! But but yeah, they've really found the groove here, and they've won uh, their last three games by a pretty close margin, all three of them. Seton Hall by four, Clemson by four as well, and Duke by four. So all four, all three games by four points. So they have been playing tight games, and I don't know if that will hurt or help them. Remember when everyone had Penn as the 16 seed to do it on the one seed, and they thought that Kansas would be on the losing end? Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I was certainly on that bandwagon, and then little did we know it would just be the worst 16 seed against the best one seed. So figures it'll certainly be interesting i feel like that there are some compelling matchups between graham versus brunson and then spellman versus azubuki then you also have bridges versus newman in in the wings it's going to be interesting it's going to be an interesting game i'm really looking forward to this there's going to be a lot of fireworks in my opinion especially if both teams are clicking this is going to be a pretty high scoring game it's going to be a very intense one the has to come in with a hot hand it's the top ranked team according to ken palm in offensive efficiency so hopefully that means something going into Saturday, but we'll see what happens. Something tells me, though, that it's going to come down to which team can make some stops, go on some runs, and capitalize on whichever team makes mistakes. Whoever advances, if Villanova advances, they're going to take on the winner of Michigan and the wonderful Cinderella team of Loyola Chicago, the 11 seed that I'm sure no one, well, I shouldn't say no. what they say? There was only like a couple hundred that saw them go to the Final Four. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, not even Sister Jean had the Ramblers going all the way to the Final Four. What are your thoughts on that other Final Four game? Who do you see going to the championship? I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but I think the Cinderella story ends on Saturday night. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And and I I think a lot of that thinking has to do with just the way 11 seeds have fared in the Final Four. I mean, you had LSU in 86, and then they lost first game. George Mason, same way, to the eventual champion. Florida, who was also a three seed, just like Michigan is. And then BCU also lost in their first, in the first final four game. So, yeah, historical precedent isn't good for Loyola. But, yeah, I, I just see Michigan winning this pretty easily. They've been clicking so well. They haven't lost since February 11th. But, I mean, you could make the case in point that Loyola Chicago hasn't lost since uh, January 31st. So, both teams coming in real hot, obviously. 
both long win streaks, but Michigan's talent level is just just a little bit more better. It's just a little better, and I, I think that's going to be the difference. And Michigan actually is ranked higher in Kempom and adjusted efficiency by a little bit. They're seventh, and Kansas is eighth, and then Loyola, Chicago is thirty first. So Michigan's, I guess, underseeded in that sense. But man, I don't, I don't know. I said to you before the tournament started that I was not a big believer in Michigan. I had them losing in the round of thirty two to Houston, and obviously they hit that miracle shot. And but when stuff stuff like that happens, you you tend to believe that oh, like they're they're kind of on a mission, and, and these things are meant to happen for them. So I see them in the national championship, and a, a lot has been said about their road as well. They've played six seed Houston, seven seed A and M, and then nine seed Florida State, and now an eleven seed Loyal Chicago. So I guess based on seeding, it is a pretty easy road for them to the finals. But then they'll have to face the winner of Kansas Villanova, and that's uh, that's no easy task. So yeah, I got Michigan in this one. It's been a fun ride for the Ramblers, but I think Michigan just takes it to them on Saturday night. One thing that'll work in the Ramblers' favor, though. Aside from Sister Jean and whatever divine intervention, this is a team that's actually very good defensively, and defense has kind of been their M.O., especially in this tournament. They've kept teams in the 60s scoring-wise, and as long as if they can make the buckets or the enough buckets to just get ahead, as we've seen, the first three games of the tournament for Loyola Chicago have been decided by basically one basket. We had a two-point game against Miami, one-point game against Tennessee, another one-point game against Nevada. And even looking back at what the Ramblers have done this season, they haven't given up over 70 points to opponent since Valentine's Day. They've been playing very well. Defense is their MO. And while I know you haven't been a big believer in Michigan, I had them going to the championship game. One thing about the Wolverines is we don't know which Wolverine squad is going to show up. They're usually pretty good defensively. But offensively, you can get the team that won't be able to buy a basket or the one that shot the lights out against Texas A&M when they were just raining threes left and right and they couldn't be stopped. But then the next game against Florida State, they were struggling and only won a game by four, putting up 58 points in the process. So if Michigan can't get it clicking on offense, Loyola Chicago's defense is there and they're able to do just enough. They've got a nice balanced team with over five guys averaging over 10 points per game. There's a chance we can see the Ramblers roll on to the championship game. I just don't see it happening. But I won't say that the Ram that is, you know, it's not like a one in a million shot for them to advance. I think that this would be probably the best case scenario of an opponent to face in the final four for them. Always been a big believer in Michigan going to this tournament. But if they're just not able to get it going on offense and the Ramblers just do enough, as long as they're in the game for a while. That can be some problems. That can just serve some problems for the Wolverines. Yeah, and I think that's the advantage of being an underdog in this scenario. If you hang around, you, you'd have to believe the favorite starts to doubt themselves a little bit, and they're like, oh, well, uh, you know, there's like five minutes left. They're only down, like, what, four or five points? And like, this, is, this is getting scary. They could probably do this again. And Loyola has rattled off some really close wins. I mean, their first three wins were by a combined, what, like three, three points? <laughs> four points like some, something real small margin like that and then they absolutely blew out k-state so so yeah it, i i believe if they do keep it close michigan might start to uh play a little tight and uh start to doubt themselves but i, I think they'll they'll have this one in the bag before they even let that be an issue as a counterpoint to your loyola defense michigan's fourth in camp on defense so michigan is no slouch on the defensive end either and they do have a uh, better offense as well they're they're just a better team than loyola and 
this is where 11 seats go to die. So I don't see it happening, unfortunately. Would love to see the whole Catholic school final, especially with uh, Easter on the Sunday in between the Final Four and the National Championship. That would be real great to see, but alas, probably won't happen. The other thing, too, is that you got to imagine everyone in that Alamo Dome has to be pro-Loyola Chicago, except for any Michigan fans. But yeah, like you said, for the underdog to hang in there, that just does wonders for the confidence. I remember my high school coach used to always say, whenever we played against a team that was, you know, lesser, 500, middle of the pack, he always told us to knock them out early, take the wind out of their sails, and don't give them a chance to believe in themselves. And once you have them on the ropes, you knock them down. You know, when you see these upsets happen, it's very rarely that it's like a giant comeback. It's usually because the lesser team is able to hang around. And we've seen Loyola Chicago be able to do that against Miami, against Tennessee. This will be a very defensive battle. Do not expect a lot of buckets unless if Michigan is clicking. But all I got to say is if Loyola Chicago can hang in there, there's a chance they can make it happen. Do I think it'll happen, though? No, I have Michigan in the championship game. And unfortunately, the dream dies on Saturday night. But who knows? Who knows? That's, that's the beauty of March Madness. Who knows? I do know that Sister Jean does have a media session tomorrow. I won't be able to make it. Yeah, you should have really just scheduled a fight for tomorrow. You should just bail tomorrow. Just tell your boss, like, oh, just, I got I got some business to take care of. And just go. Come on. You can you can write a good uh, counterpiece to your uh, to your Father Rob article. I'll just present a number of different tasks to her, like one-on-one, knitting, praying, you know, her versus Father Rob. Who who does she got? Well, hopefully on Monday, we, both teams will be facing each other, and then we can see who finally is superior, Father Rob or Sister Jane. But we all know it's Father Rob. So. I will say, though, it's nice to see Father Rob get, get some press, you know. Ever since that article I wrote in 2015, it's good, it's good to see him get more love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, the whole uh, the whole chaplain thing is really catching on now with uh, Sister Jean. I think was it Michigan? I, I has like something going on now. They do they have a chaplain of some sort? I don't know. I thought I saw a third party chaplain story floating around, other than uh, anything related to Sister Jean or Father Rob. So, so yeah, everyone's just looking for their uh, Sister Jean moment or Sister Jean uh, good luck charm. Yeah, just gotta cash out while you can. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I. God, I can't, like, Chris, I, I kid you not, I, I'm just excited that I only have one more sleepless night to go through before I get out of New York, head down to Texas, never been there, excited to check it out. While I'm there, I'm also going to cover the 3X3U, so it's just going to be a hoops-filled weekend, and then when it's Easter Sunday, hopefully explore San Antonio, I, don't, I hope something's open, you don't want to mess with Jesus down there in Texas, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. This Saturday, we got two games. Final Four doubleheader. First one, Michigan versus Loyola Chicago at 6.09 p.m. Eastern Time. And then followed by Villanova versus Kansas, 8.49 p.m. also Eastern Time. The games will be available, as always, on the March Madness app, broadcast on TBS. The National Championship game will be on Monday night, April 2nd, on TBS at 9.20 p.m. Who knows who will be in it? All I got to say is hopefully the Wildcats do not have a brief stay in San Antonio. Hoping for a long and extended visit. If uh, if Villanova loses, are you staying or no? Are you, you covering the whole Final Four? Oh, yeah, I'm there. I'm covering the whole thing. And the three-on-three tournament, how long is that? Is that a couple days? One day? When does that end? When does that start and end? starts on Friday, but I'm only going to be covering Saturday and Sunday. On Sunday, it's like a couple hours, so I'll probably hit up the Villanova Easter Mass with Father Peter, and then after that, make my way over 
to the St. Mary's of San Antonio Arena, where the three-on-three tournament will be. Hoping that the Big East does a pretty good job. It's going to be nice. I think Sunday is when the bracket portion of that event starts. So that's when it's going to start to heat up. But I'm looking forward to Saturday and Sunday. And with Saturday, it's going to be hoops all day. I'm going to wake up, go to three on three tournament right after that, go over to the Alamo Dome, pick up my credentials, get settled in. And then it's two Final Four games, and it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, and I'm probably just going to be on my couch watching every both games, and you're actually going to be there. I can only imagine the hype you're experiencing right now. Like I said, Chris, I have not slept. And even when I try to sleep, I wake up at 3 a.m., and I start thinking about the Final Four again, and then I'm up until I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah, this, this, week, this week just needs to end. Just get us to Sunday, Saturday. Come on. I wish you could have made the voyage, though. I know a lot of people change their minds. I was speaking to a few people yesterday. They changed their minds. They were able to book some last-minute flights and some last-minute tickets. Yeah, I would have loved to have gone, but it's just – I don't know if I just – I want to fly all the way to Texas just for a weekend, just in the event that Villanova – even if Villanova does win or lose, I wouldn't be able to take off work Monday and Tuesday. So that that would be an absolute uh, disaster um, PTO-wise and, and work-wise. I, I would not fly with the uh, higher-ups. So – yeah, that's that's mainly the reason why I can't go. I I, w- I would have shelled out whatever it took to go, but unfortunately I cannot. I totally understand. I I guess I'm thankful to have some pretty good bosses who not only are letting me work for someone else to cover the the final four, but also give me Monday and Tuesday off so that I can enjoy this trip in San Antonio, get all the hoops action in, wrap a nice bow to the college basketball season. And I honestly, like, I can't believe it's going to be over on Monday. It seems so far away. Like, Saturday seems so far away, and I know it's only about 48 hours away. But it just seems so far away. I literally have not slept. I've thought about it at least 50 times a day, and I'm just so excited. The best part, too, was the nice surprise. I've never flown first class before, and I found out that my flight to Texas was first class, not the return trip. But I'm hyped. I've never done it before. It's always been on my bucket list, and I'm glad to knock that one off. How did you you, you accidentally book first class, or how did you get first class? I, I don't understand how you can just not know you're in first class. I thought that's like a separate booking. I got the itinerary, and I thought it was a mistake. I printed out the ticket that was sent to me, and it said first on it, and I asked no more questions after that. <laughs> you know, f- fair enough. Hey, take what you can get at this point. So... <laughs> Maybe that's a good sign, Eugene. Good omen. Good omen? Good omen. I will say, in my sleeplessness, I probably watched the Chris Jenkins shot at least 124 times this week. Yeah, I've been watching that video on YouTube where it's just the last two minutes uh, when uh, North Carolina started making that little comeback, and then obviously it ends with the uh, the Jenkins shot. I mean, that's just basically been on loop. It's fun. This is fun. This is this is really freaking fun. Just don't eat uh, meat on Friday, please. As we all know, as we learned in Louisville, if with it being Easter weekend and all, it it's, it would be a good thing not to eat meat on Friday because you know Arby's did us a real solid that that one night by uh, cooking extra fast, and we were able to uh, get a meal in before good <laughs> a meat filled uh, meal before Good Friday. So uh, don't eat meat on Good Friday for another good omen as well, and for for some good karma for Villanova. Because we all know that's that's what's going to determine the game on Saturday. So I was looking at where the hotel I was staying at, and apparently they have In-N-Out Burger in Texas. It's right outside my hotel. Oh man, that's that's tempting. That's tempting, but d- don't do it, Eugene. Don't do it. 
wait till Saturday, wait till Villanova wins on Saturday, and then go go out celebrate with a, a nice in and out burger. Yeah, but you are right. As we did learn in that 2016 trip, I really clearly remember coming back from covering that Sweet 16 game. We were starving. There was an Arby's right next to our hotel. We're in the drive-thru line. Long line. I look at the clock, and I'm like, man, it's getting late. It's already like 1140. Then we realized, wait a second, in about 20 minutes, it was going to be Good Friday. And if there was like a day, you know how some people, they like skimp out on meat or like they, they'll eat meat, quote, unquote, by accident. That is not the day where you can do that. Good Friday is not the day to do that. I'll never forget. We got the order at like 11.55, went up to the hotel room. I've never gobbled down a chicken sandwich that fast in my life. Got it just before the buzzer at like 11.59. And we were just so paranoid. Like, if we don't eat this in time, there's just going to be bad karma for that Kansas Elite Eight game. And fortunately, it all worked out in the end. Shout out to Arby's Fast Kitchen. Haven't eaten an Arby since and probably never will. But to that kitchen, good job. Proud of you. Thank you. Sam, I've also not eaten at an Arby's after that. I don't even know where to find one in New York. I've never seen one in New York. But hey, shout outs to the Arby's in Louisville right by the Ramada Inn. Hopefully they're still open and still vibing. But alas, we move on to the questions portion of our beautiful podcast. As always, you can send us, tweet us your questions at S-O-N-N-Pod. Or you can leave your questions in the comment section of a podcast thread. And it'll find its way to us. And we will answer them. First question is from Jerry Quinn. Actually, he has a series of questions for us. Let's take a look here. What we got. First one is, what do we need to do to beat Kansas? Well, it's much easier said than done. But obviously, Spellman has to neutralize Azubuki, especially with the uh, alley-oops and just the general inside presence of that very large man. And then obviously Villanova's going to have to really kick up the the defense on the perimeter. Uh, Kansas has been shooting pretty well from three-point land all year. They, they have a great offense, and I think if they're able to contain that perimeter, they'll be A-OK, but that, like I said, a lot easier said than done, especially with uh, Newman playing the way he is in this tournament, Devontae Graham always being a threat and Mikhailu being the resident sharpshooter on that team. So they got weapons, but if they're able to neutralize them. Yeah, totally easier said than done. I think defense will be a very big point here for Villanova. I think they have to be able to not only take haymakers, but give haymakers. They've got to connect on baskets. They can't afford any dry spells. They can't fall behind too much if they do at all. Definitely need to lock down on the perimeter. I will say about that Duke-Kansas game, when Azubuki fouled out early on in overtime late in the game, I thought that Duke had it in the bag. I thought they, they were going to be able to go in there, do exactly what they wanted on the lesser experience to Sosa and Lightfoot and take care of business and move on to the Final Four. But that's not exactly what happened because we saw Malik Newman just absolutely shoot the lights out, take over in overtime. So for Villanova, their emphasis defensively is twofold. One, not let Azubuki do much, box out rebound collectively as a team, not let him get those hype alley-oop plays or big man slam. Maybe you foul him or with a little hack and shack if he has the ball down low. Don't do it off ball or else that's, I'm pretty sure that's a technical or that warrants technical free throws. And then on the perimeter, you have McCallie, you have Graham, you have Newman. You can't let any of those guys get hot from deep or else it's going to be a long day. And that's definitely easier said than done because Kansas has a great offense. 
Villanova also has a great offense. And it's no accident that both teams waltz their way to the Final Four. It's definitely going to be a heated battle. I'm looking forward to it. The next part in Jerry's question is, if we get over 15 three-point shots, do we win the game? If Villanova hits 15 threes in a game, do they win? Uh, yeah, I would have to say so. If Villanova goes out on Saturday, hits 15 threes, and they don't win the game, then something must have gone horribly, horribly wrong on the defensive end there. I think 15 is a pretty large number of threes, and I know Villanova's very capable of it, and they've done it before. But, hey, look, if they're hitting 15 of them, they, they should win this game pretty handily, I'd say. 15 would definitely be a good amount. Not only would it put them probably in a pretty good spot to win the game, they do right now the Wildcats average just about 11.5 per game. So to make 15 would be a pretty good sign of things to come. And it would also give them the Division One record for most three-pointers made as a team in a season. So that would be another nice accolade. I think it would be nice. I think it would definitely put them in a good position to win. But for me, I'm looking at how Villanova locks down defensively. Offensively, yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, we're definitely going to need the big shots and the big baskets. But I think defense is going to matter more in this game, more so than how Villanova does. But I would say th- over 15, yeah, I'll give it to Nova. His third question is, who is in your final game? Well, we actually we kind of picked Michigan Loyola, and I, I, I think we both agreed on Michigan. But we didn't give her Villanova-Kansas picks. I'm going to go with Villanova. Homer pick, obviously, but I just love this team. The lo- I love the way this team is playing right now. And as a fan, I have not felt all that wary of any of the competition so far. I mean, obviously, Villanova's played some great teams, and I know they've been basically all Big 12 teams, which is pretty funny, actually, because remember that narrative that uh, Villanova couldn't play in the Big 12, and now they might beat the top three teams in the Big 12 in the same postseason? That'd be pretty funny, but but I digress. I just love the way this team's playing. I think they got the advantage over Kansas in the defensive end. You know what? The offenses might be equal-ish. I still think Villanova has a slight edge in that department, and I think their defense is better. There's my pick. Villanova, Michigan in the finals. So for his last question, who would you pick to be the champion? Villanova. <laughs> Obviously. It's probably just my heart speaking at this point. I think if Villanova gets past Kansas, you got to think that, that they take care of Michigan at that point. I like how they would match up against Michigan. I know Michigan's a very good defensive team, that whole offense versus defense thing, which wins championships. But we've seen Villanova go up against some good defensive teams this tournament. Maybe not as great as Michigan, but we've seen them go up against good defensive teams and I, they've handled it pretty well. So, and I think they'd be riding a lot of momentum after that Kansas win. And, you know, I think that maybe Michigan might get complacent a little bit if they uh, kind of have a cakewalk against Loyola. So that's, that's how I view it. I got. Villanova, Michigan, and then Villanova winning. Uh, what say you? What I have to say about it, all, all I have to say is I'm, I'm glad that you were here to answer the question because I cannot. Uh, just like the 2016 run, I will dodge any of these kinds of questions. I will just give my opinion on the game itself, but I can't answer. I very... <sighs> I'm disappointed in you. Just a little hint of what you're thinking. <laughs> I will say that if it is Villanova, Michigan, that would be very interesting that the national championship game, if it were to be that, would come down to Jay Wright coaching against the one coach he would absolutely never want to face ever again in John Beeline. And we saw what happened the last time these two teams faced off, and that was in the Legends Classic at the Barclays Center. And it came down to that big Javon Pinkston block in 2014, and it came down to the wire. 
And Beeline just seems to have Jay's number, and we saw that in the coaching tree with Laval Jordan, who was a former Michigan assistant. We saw the Butler Bulldogs take down Nova in their first meeting this season at the Hinkle Fieldhouse. So that would be interesting. It would be interesting that it comes down to Jay conquering his fear, so to speak. But, yeah, I'm just very cautious about this whole tournament. Like the 2016 run, a lot of people asked me at various phases of the tournament, do you think Villanova is going to win? And I just totally deferred until the national championship game. That was when I felt okay enough to give an opinion. But yeah, I, I, I look very cautious. I just, uh, I'm just going to stick to the strategy that worked. Just like when we ate Arby's before midnight and that we didn't eat meat on Friday. It just works out. Fair enough. Whatever works superstitiously for you, I'm all for it. Look at this. Just like in 2016. We didn't eat meat on Friday, and then we had Kansas on Saturday. Same, same kind of situation. Same thing. Here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it is it is exactly the same thing. Of course. Just in a just, just, state. A, just a couple. Of, yeah, different state and just a, a round or two earlier. Just a round earlier. So that that's the only difference. Sorry, Jerry. I hope that Chris answered those last two well enough for you. I'll be glad to chat. Hopefully, you're making it to San Antonio this year. Sorry, miss you in Boston. But hopefully you'll be there for the championship and the final four rounds. But we have another question from Patrick. Assuming it matters, is Villanova now a blue blood? Well, according to John Rothstein, he seems to think so. He tweeted out a couple of days ago that Villanova is officially a blue blood. Cats have now advanced to three final fours in the last decade to go with a national title in 2016. Jay Wright is a lock for the Hall of Fame. Do you agree or disagree with John Rothstein? Or do you just think that Villanova is a blue blood? Is it not a blue blood? What say you? I would say Jay's a, a lock at this point. I, I would I would think a coach with uh, three Final Fours in, under his belt and uh, at least one national championship, depending on what happens this weekend, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty good resume. And I think uh, some coaches have gotten in off less. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for the Jay Wright, the Hall of Fame movement. But let's, uh, let's see if we can get another national championship and a couple more Final Fours before he officially calls it quits. So that's my answer to that. And with regards to Villanova being a blue blood, I mean, to me, the whole blue blood thing doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't care what you think. If Like, oh, this, this program's a blue blood. I, at some point, I feel like everyone's just splitting hairs with s- certain programs. I mean, obviously, there are some programs out there that are just head and shoulders, not head and shoulders above everybody else, but they're, they're more marquee, like, yeah, I'd probably say UCLA, Kentucky, Duke, maybe UNC, uh, programs of that ilk. Villanova's right there with them. They have two championships, uh, both in a modern in the modern uh, bracket, at least with 64 teams, no, none of that eight-team stuff. They have the Final Fours. They have, they've had the players. They had the All-Americans. They will probably have the Wooden Award player. They've produced great talent. They've produced some great teams over the years. They're always in the conversation and this golden era of Villanova basketball that has stretched from pretty much Jay Wright's entire tenure with a few years as an exception. It's really improved <laughs> the program in that regard uh, on the national landscape. So yeah, I, I'd say they're a blue blood, but honestly, and some people say they aren't. It's all semantics at this point. So they're a top premier college basketball program and that's all that matters. Yeah, I'd say Villanova is definitely a blue blood and hopefully that they get their chance to prove some naysayers wrong by going against the Blue Blood on Saturday. I think that they're in this club, whether people like to acknowledge it or not, 
But I would say that Jay Wright has elevated this program to some new heights. And like you said, they have a shot for another national title. Three Final Fours in the last decade. It's been a pretty good time to be a Wildcat fan. And especially given the, the recent success ever since conference realignment, it's been a pretty big time. Carrying the Big East, carrying this program right now. And who knows what will happen this weekend. We'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that. Before we depart, I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you saw the news last week. It came up, but we didn't get a chance to discuss it. But the Big East has added esports to the repertoire of competition. Ten Big East schools. They'll be sending teams. Villanova has an esports team. And the two games that they'll be competing in are Rocket League and League of Legends. Now, my question for you is, how do you feel about the esports? And do you think Josh Hart should be their coach, seeing how he is a big-time Twitch streamer of Fortnite? Yeah, considering the Lakers' uh, season is probably going to end early and he'll probably have a lot of free time on his hands. Yeah, sure, why not? I, I think he should uh, go all in and apply. And I'm sure Villanova would love to have him back in that regard. But anyway, I'm all for esports. I I don't particularly care for uh, League of Legends. I, I really don't understand how that game works. But but hey, look, if you're good, if you're good at a video game and you want to play it competitively, fine. Like I don't I don't really care how you go about it. Do you want to do it for money? You want to do it for a scholarship? Uh, that's up to the school if they want to offer scholarships for that stuff. I I guess they are now. That's that's cool. Whatever can get you into the school at this point, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Whatever gets you to make money at this point. That's a okay with me. That's cool. I didn't realize Rocket League was a esports eligible video game. I thought that was just kind of something everyone just kind of screwed around with. Just, I know you were a big fan of it, and I, I saw I've seen you play that in the past, and I didn't, I didn't realize it would get its way all the way up to an esports uh, competitive level. I remember one time I saw Rocket League on Sports Center top ten plays of the night, and I thought, man, they should have seen some of my highlight plays, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, Rocket League, great game. Got me way too stressed. Had to retire from it in 2016 because no game made me feel the great thrill of victory and the agony of defeat than that video game right there. Wow. I See, I have a mixed opinion on esports. It's weird. At one point, I'm the old man yells at Cloud like, oh, this, this isn't sports. Like, what what is this? You got to have a ball. You got to go outside. You got to run around. A sport isn't just sitting at a computer all day. And playing video games with your friend that doesn't count but at the same time you know you got to give people props for doing what they love they love video games and they're good enough to make some sort of living out of it whether it's a scholarship offer or competing tournaments for cash and if that's what works for you and you're one of those people who can really make a living from it total kudos to you and not just that i think esports whether people like to admit it or not and i think people are slowly starting to hop on the bandwagon more and more with each passing year now that we see that twitch is getting bigger obviously and we see some video games sometimes on espn even though i can't stand watching it but um yeah it's definitely on the rise and all i gotta say is league of legends i think the world championship there were more people tuned in watching that watching streams of that around the world than the super bowl so just put that in perspective it's definitely profitable People around the world are starting to realize this, and it's only a matter of time before it really blows up. It might not have the respect or the you know prestige that some people view it as like a NFL player 
or like a basketball player or as a baseball player or a pro athlete that plays in a traditional sport because hey you know when you tell someone oh i'm an esports player and all you see is uh, someone who doesn't really stand out to you physically you just think like oh well this is a joke but i will say that esports whether you would like it or not and i'm still on the fence on how i feel about it but it's definitely on its way up and i would love to see josh hart be a coach because yeah he's gonna need something to do and maybe he can put up some shots, do a little workout with the basketball team. And then when he needs to unwind, rest, he's hosting a Twitch session with his boys, with the Villanova esports team, playing Fortnite or playing some Rocket League or some League of Legends. I don't know if he likes that, but I could totally see him indulging in that club. Yeah, I didn't realize that there was such like a huge contingency of like Twitch streamers in the NBA. Like I, I know a lot of. Like, I think Ben Simmons has his own Twitch stream or just stream. I don't know if it's Twitch or he streams his own games of Fortnite as well. I think a lot of, a lot of professional athletes, they're, they're big fans of it. So look, if, if they're all like for it and they're out there playing video games in their spare time, like why not give it to like someone who's actually like really, really good at it. So to give them an opportunity, just like how they use their opportunity with basketball or whatever. So. I don't know if you want to call it a sport or not. Like, again, that's just semantics. But same time, this is how you want to go about it. You want to go, this is how you want to get to school and make make a name for yourself. All for it. Go for it. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, I was definitely the old man yell at cloud for a very long time in regards to esports. And with one of my friends who's very into this, you know, he watches streams all the time. And we would have debates about this all the time. And I'd be like, well, you know, why would you want to watch someone play video games? And he's like, well, why would you want to sit on your couch and watch someone play basketball when you can go play it yourself? And I was like, wow, never thought of it like that. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a nice little uh, retaliation uh, right there. That's smart. That, that makes sense, though. It does make sense. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts on itunes on google play on podomatic and now on spotify check back and check often at viewhoops.com the machine is continuing to pump out content and especially with the national championship around the corner with the final four it's going to be a good time and it's going to be a good weekend for anyone who's traveling to san antonio safe travels get there safe Hope you all get to enjoy the Final Four. And if Nova makes it, the national championship game. And if you're watching it at home, hope you have a good time there too. I thoroughly enjoyed my experience of watching the Final Four and the national championship game at Kelly's. I still think about those days waiting in line very, very often, especially with this week. And I honestly, you know, I, I know I had the chance to go to Houston, but I was glad I got to experience it on campus with the hope to make it live one day over to a Final Four championship game, and I'm glad to get that opportunity this weekend. But whatever you do, hope you all have a bunch of friends to watch it with, that you have a nice party, that you enjoy it, whether you're in the Alamo Dome or not, and hopefully it'll be a good outcome. Please follow VU Hoops on social media at VU Hoops. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Danziel, at The Stansman on Twitter. Before we sign off, I just want to make an announcement for the third time. We are on Spotify now. I'm just very excited about it because I love Spotify. But so for this Tuesday, we're not exactly sure when a new pod will drop. 
It'll definitely come out. It might not be Tuesday morning. It might be later on Tuesday. It might be Tuesday afternoon. It might be Tuesday night. Or it might even be Wednesday morning. Just totally figuring out travel details. And, you know, it's going to be a hectic Tuesday getting back after that championship game on Monday. So sit tight. If you don't see an episode exactly at the usual 9 a.m., 10 a.m. time slot, it might even come on Wednesday, but there will definitely be one last episode to wrap up the year. Just bear with us. It might not be at the normal time, traveling and all that stuff, trying to get back home, but we do guarantee there will be one more episode after this. So sit tight. It's been a fun ride. We got one more to do, and hopefully it'll be on a happy note.